0: Welcome once again to another edition of Logical. I'm Tim Elliott here once again at the Jumeirah Lakes Towers district with Ludmila Yamalava, managing partner at the law firm Yamalova & Plethka here in Dubai. Now in this episode, we're going to consider the new insolvency law here in the United Arab Emirates. Our legal expert Ludmilla good to see you
1: good to see you too Tim thank you for being here
0: so look this is the new law just released insolvency of natural persons law number 19 let's just start at the top a rundown of the announcement Ludmilla.
1: sure the announcement is very recent on November 19th and that's the ministry uh, the UAE Ministry of Finance issued a new decree Uh, which is the decree number 19 of 2019 on the insolvency for natural persons. So it's it's very new, uh, sort of um, hot off the press. Uh, The law addresses issues of um, insolvency and restructuring of individual debt obligations uh, in the UAE, and it will come into effect in January 2020. So the law was issued in November, but it will actually come into effect in, um, in January of 2020.
0: So let's look at what we know about the law. It is a federal law. It doesn't apply to companies. Bankruptcy is generally associated with companies, insolvency with individuals. But it is a law that affects both citizens and expatriates in the UAE uh, equally.
1: Yes, indeed. The law applies to both categories of um, uh, residents in the UAE, uh, alike, expatriates or locals. uh, And um, the effect is to allow individuals in particular uh, either to restructure their obligations or uh, to liquidate or file for liquidation.
0: So how will the law address the insolvency of individuals? I mean, in in many jurisdictions, debt is dealt with in uh, one of two ways. Essentially, pay or become insolvent and work out a deal.
1: Well, the biggest issue in the UAE and why this law is um, a very welcomed uh, development is that until this law, at least as far as individuals were concerned, uh, uh, announcing or filing for insolvency, Um, would lead to criminal penalties. So in a way, being insolvent or uh, being bankrupt was a criminal offense. Mm. Uh, Now, with this new law, uh, we are moving away from criminalizing insolvency and allowing, in fact, um, various or offering options to the individuals to help them with their Uh, with their debts or the change or the uh, challenges in their financial situation. So on the one hand, the law allows individuals either to help them restructure their obligations. On the other hand, eh, if that's not possible, it allows them to file for liquidation and um, go through the whole liquidation of funds and assets in order to uh, settle whatever debts they may have uh, to whatever proportion that their current assets um, uh, may cover.
0: You mentioned restructuring there, and I think that's an important point because this uh, law would apparently allow, and this is it's court depending, but it would apparently allow a person to be able under the law to take out a structured loan, which essentially is akin to a consolidation loan. And in the UAE, consolidation loans are, albeit... Available, but they are rare at this point.
1: Well, indeed, and then especially rare, if not in the past, would have been impossible for someone who finds himself or herself in financial uh, distress mm. uh, and, in fact, a failing on covering their existing obligations. Uh, in those cases, uh, banks or any other financial uh, institutions in the UAE would not even entertain. Uh, offering any kind of lines of credit uh, to help those who are in distress so uh, with the introduction of this law although we still have to see exactly how it will play out uh, there is a provision in the law that allows for debtors uh, to file to request or apply for a loan at the bank as long as the court approves it Uh, so that's the caveat and uh, based on that the drafting of that particular provision It suggests, as you said, uh, that there may be an option for debtors uh, to apply uh, for a loan to the bank in order to facilitate repayment of their pre-existing or ongoing obligations.
0: So it is an attempt to decriminalize the issue of being in debt, but what does the law actually allow? What's the, the structure here? How's it done?
1: Uh, well, that's a good question because there is, in fact, a structure that is now expressly provided for in the law. Uh, so, in, any, in no particular order, but um, the so the structure goes along the following uh, ways. If, let's say, somebody finds themselves in financial distress and they need to, uh, they need to restructure their financial obligations. Uh, they must file an application with the court. So it's not that I just declare, okay, I cannot pay to, with my creditors and I ask them to, uh, to restructure my obligations by virtue of showing them the law. Uh, that's not the process. The process is that you're required to file a court application uh, asking the court to help settle financial obligations or restructure financial obligations of the debtor. Uh, then, the court would appoint an expert, or a number of experts, to assist them during the proceedings, and this is for obvious reasons. Uh, you need to have, depending on the debtor's uh, circumstances, personal circumstances, they, you need to appoint the right kind of expert, and sometimes it may be multiple um, experts, to help the court to identify the existing obligations, and perhaps uh, a way forward in helping restructure those obligations. And uh, in the law, there's a provision for of about 22 days plus, uh, plus or minus for the experts then to provide a plan or to devise a plan as to how they may propose for the courts to consider to help the debtor restructure um, their obligations. After that, once the plan is prepared, uh, then this plan has to be given out for a vote to the creditors. So... Again, this is all done under the supervision of the court, uh, but the creditors will have an opportunity to review the plan ahead of time and comment. And um, and then once they've had a chance to review the plan, then there'll be a-, a meeting with the court, at the court, with the expert and the judge, and between the debtor and the creditor for them to go over the plan together and uh, identify a, a plan uh, that is uh, more or less acceptable to all and uh, then uh, have a plan to for for its execution uh, all of that has to be done under the court supervision from the beginning till the end
0: any thoughts on how long that may take uh,
1: well it, um, it it depends really on the personal circumstances of the the debtor uh, but the idea is to help expedite uh, the for for all parties concerned the resolution to this particular dilemma if you will because um, it's um, all parties concerned need to have some sort of uh, some sort of certainty in terms of what um, what time they need to help them uh, modify their expectations hmm. uh, in that regard there's a any specific date that's mentioned in the law uh, that requires for the parties to resolve this within a, a specific date. So there are dates such as, okay, for the experts, uh, they have about 22 days or more, mm-hmm. for example, to come up with a plan. Uh, then parties have up to 10 days ten days or more to review the plan and have their first meeting. Uh, but there's all, there are always provisions in the law that allow for other or eventualities. That ultimately are based on the individual's personal circumstances. So there isn't a specific limitation uh, or time frame, uh, but there is a guiding principles uh, to help parties, at least plan something along the way but it's it's really difficult to i guess to tell or it, by by the same token to even expect for sure. this law to address something like this because it can be highly complex
0: I mean it does uh, clearly it does depend but you can see how quickly the time uh, can go by and the reason I ask that is because if you look at the the time scale there that's a four to five week minimum time scale what happens once you file at the court to any payments that you're due to make or any obligations you might have what happens in that interim period everything just stops in theory
1: well there are different things that can happen and one of the biggest things that happens with regards to debtors in the UAE is that in most cases when you have a loan, for example, uh, let's say it's a mortgage. You mm. bought a property, and you've done this on your in your own individual capacity. And now you cannot pay that loan. As part of the mortgage system or structure in the UAE, the the bank takes ultimately two guarantees. One being the property, and the other one checks. So are these supposed data checks? So when you take a mortgage, now you've issued the bank. You've given the, to the bank a number of signed checks, but usually undated and there is no amount mentioned so they're blank checks but they're signed and that the banks in the past have required as guarantee for obtaining a mortgage now in that case let's say you don't you stop paying your mortgage because you're not in the position to pay a mortgage anymore you've lost your job or what have you the banks still have the checks and these checks uh, in the uae are actually a separate legal right and that's a right that is separate from the agreement or perhaps commercial transaction under which they were issued. But in legal terms, this they're treated as separate. So now let's say you go into this, you've now apl- uh, applied to the court to help uh, restructure your current obligations. But now because you haven't been paying to the bank, the bank has gone out and cashed some of the checks that you, the guarantee checks that you have issued to the bank and any check now that is above uh, 200,000 dirhams is still criminal mm. uh, so in that case even though you're going through the proceedings with the court uh, those elements of of your obligations uh, run their own course and there isn't really uh, it's an, there's no automatic freezing of those obligations so therefore the bank can still cash the checks and then file a case with the police, and um, that is a criminal case that that will be attached to the uh, to the check, not to so much the breach of your repayment obligations for the mortgage, but rather a breach of or of of the dishonored check. However, with this law, the one introduction that it has um, offered is to re- for the parties to request for the court to freeze that, those proceedings, the criminal proceedings. In other words, there, is still, there, there will still be a criminal case, and perhaps there will be other repercussions related to having a criminal case attached to your name, but at least the authorities will not proceed on it. Uh, If you have requested, then that's if you have a case filed with the court for restructuring of the obligations, one, and then two, you requested the court to to, to communicate with authorities to help uh, freeze, at least, for example, the criminal proceedings of the case. Uh, so, in that case, you can, uh, at least as far as criminal proceedings, you may be able to get the authorities involved to help you freeze them. With regards to other type of obligations, for example, let's say there is no no checks involved and you just you owe somebody money because you borrowed, let's say, 10,000 dirhams for um, a, a credit card loan, but uh, you borrowed from a friend. There's an agreement in place, but there's no specific guarantee. If you have filed a case with the court for restructuring of the your obligations, then that particular uh, obligation will now be frozen until the courts have come up with a plan, a restructuring plan. So anything, in other words, civil or commercial in nature, will be frozen. Anything criminal, you need to ask the court specifically to potentially uh, freeze uh, the proceedings until the final uh, plan on restructuring of obligations.
0: So there is effectively a breathing space there allowed for in the law,
1: for sure, and that's um, a huge relief for mm. for anyone who's lived in this country for long enough and has had uh, difficulties, financial difficulties, uh, until the introduction of this law. And once again, we don't know exactly how the law will be implemented. But until at least this, um, uh, this law, we've seen this law in print, there wasn't any such breathing room uh, under the previous system.
0: No. And, and this is the point, isn't it? Getting into debt is hard enough, not just financially. It is also an emotional time, something to to deal with. So I guess... One of the the, the positive aspects of this is that it it does attempt to address the human side of the debt issue.
1: Well, for sure. But um, that's one. And two, it also addresses perhaps the uh, discrepancy or the divide um, between sort of the laws and and the objectives and the goals of this country. And... uh, uh, I guess the very the human very the hu- very human elements of businesses and, and people not doing as well uh, in their lives as they perhaps once were or they were hoping uh, to do and so it's it's much more you now it brings the law uh, closer to uh, bankruptcy and insolvency laws that have existed in other countries for much longer. Now, there's one other aspect to this law. So uh, if you can apply to the court to either help you restructure your obligations, that's when you believe, if you believe, and perhaps the court will ultimately believe that you can restructure your obligations. And that's a provision that has existed in many other countries for many, for, for many years, and it's been highly successful because if you not only give people that breathing room but also help them, with the right parties involved, um, restructure and monitor their uh, financial obligations uh, and and acts, then it's a a win-win all around. Mm. Uh, However, let's face it, there are plenty of uh, cases where that's not possible, perhaps because the debts are too great or because the underlying model um, uh, uh, upon which these debts became uh, uh, or arose Uh, is just, it was flawed from from the beginning. Therefore, it's not possible to restructure. So you ultimately have to go into liquidation. Uh, So that's the other application that you can request from the court, and that is uh, application for uh, liquidating your assets. So once again, you have a, qu- a formal court um, filing, a court proceeding where you're asking the court to get, in, uh, to get involved and help um, work with, other debtor, uh, with the other creditors to help you liquidate what you have of value and redistribute it, uh, the remainder of it um, amongst the, the many creditors that you may have. And that's, again, that's done through an application and only certain kind of cases uh, would uh, qualify. In other words, you need to have been in default for more than 50 consecutive days. So it's not like I lost my job today and tomorrow I cannot pay my uh, my mortgage payment, for example. That's not good enough. It needs to, you need to have been in default for at least 50 days. Uh, and then... Um, creditors or debtors may request for liquidation of funds um, under special conditions and uh, uh, once again the court will appoint um, an expert and a secretary and then uh, sort of a team of experts if you will to help um, assess uh, the debtor's uh, portfolio and all of the debtor's assets and as part of it the debtor also has to submit uh, proof and list of assets that may exist outside of the UAE. Mm. Uh, because once again, this is for the purpose of uh, the court uh, re- studying what the debtor potentially uh, may have of value and figuring out a way to liquidating all um, all those assets and dis- redistributing proceeds amongst all of the creditors. Um, so that's again all done under the court's um, uh, control and supervision. And that's uh, a, a, an application that's different from an application to help restructure your, uh, your financial obligation. That's actually an application for bankruptcy, if you will, in other jurisdictions. But in this country, in particular, bankruptcy is more associated with uh, corporate bankruptcy. But um, for individuals, it's, it's liquidation. But ultimately, what it means is that I've gone bankrupt. I have no more money to pay. Please help me settle whatever... Uh, whatever obligations i have uh, even if it's 10 cents to a dollar uh, but at least in that way everybody has been paid even if it's partially and and individuals who have gone through this liquidation can now move forward and and continue to i guess live life and potentially build uh, new opportunities
0: so when it comes to procedure in the court obviously we need to ensure the court needs to ensure that the truth is told both by the debtor and by the creditor.
1: Well, indeed, uh, and um, there are specific provisions in the law that um, make it very clear that, for example, from the perspective of the debtor, it's um, they cannot be asking the court uh, for it's uh, for the court's guidance and assistance in helping them restructure their obligations if. Uh, if they want to be able to buy themselves uh, some sort of a luxurious item, you know, or go on a cruise somewhere, so in other words, yeah, that, that's there has to be some, uh, some good faith mm. uh, request and good faith uh, objective in, in uh, helping and seeking the court's uh, involvement, and therefore the courts will not approve of any request that perhaps would lead to the debtor's. Uh, Luxurious lifestyle, <laughs> or or request to restructure uh, payments uh, in favor of one party over the other um, at the at the you know to the benefit of one party and uh, to the loss of the other. So, for example, I have a yacht, and I'm falling falling behind on my yacht payments. And so now I'm asking, uh, for the courts to uh, help me repay my yacht obligation so that I can continue to use the yacht. And that would be uh, to the detriment of perhaps um, another another party to whom I own money, let's say, for uh, my website. Let's say I have uh, some personal website and I owe money to that party uh, or to even my local store where I may have a line of credit because of my good relationship with someone. So I can't basically have... Request the court to uh, help me uh, so sponsor my high lifestyle to the detriment of other parties or other creditors. So creditors have to be treated equally, and to that end, uh, there are specific provisions in the law that require for the debtors to be truthful to the court. And any any misrepresentations or misstatements can be quite uh, uh, heftily uh, penalized by virtue of fines anywhere from twenty thousand dirhams to a hundred thousand dirhams for example and including potentially criminal uh, criminal sanctions and imprisonment and that's ultimately because you would be lying to the court. Uh, Similarly there are certain provisions in the law that regulate um, the same sort of expectation of honesty uh, from the perspective of the creditors, uh, because it's also possible and uh, that for certain creditors will come forward and claim that, they are, that they're owed much more money than they truly are. Mm. And I'll tell you that is um, in one uh, particular case, I can see this um, play out Is for example, when you take that same mortgage from a bank, uh, or car loan, uh, the checks that you write to the car company or to the bank for the car, in fact, um, can be for much greater value uh, than what you owe the bank. So and that's just how the system here works. So let's say one of the checks uh, that you would write to the bank for a car loan is for the entire value of the uh, of the loan. However, if you're on year three out of your year five, loan, then you will you will have already paid a good uh, proportion or portion of that loan. And so for the bank to present the the check for the full amount of the loan would be a misstatement and would be inappropriate. So in cases like this, I can see that this provision in particular is very useful because it will require the creditors to be honest with the court as well. And equally so, there are penalties uh, from monetary to criminal uh, that apply to creditors as well who are being dishonest before the court in these proceedings.
0: Federal insolvency law number 19, that's another episode of Logical. In a future podcast, we'll be covering company bankruptcy law, so check back soon for that. Ludmilla Yamalovit is the managing partner of the Dubai-based law firm Yamalovit and Plathka. As ever, Ludmilla, thank you.
1: Always a pleasure, Tim. Thank you very much.
0: That's another edition of Logical. We can't cover every aspect of the UAE's legal framework in each episode, but if there is a legal problem, issue, conundrum you'd like answered, get in touch via lylawyers.com or any of the social channels and we'll try to answer that in a future episode of Logical. For a legal consultation, hit the contact button at lylawyers.com, WhatsApp direct on 971 one six one one.